Well, good morning, Capital Edge. Great to be here again and uh, just excited about the message that I want to share with you today. It's called When Isolation Becomes an Investment. When Isolation Becomes an Investment. So if you want to open up your apps or your Bibles to 2 Timothy 4, I just want to read a couple of verses there to just set the context of what we're talking about today. 2 Timothy 4 verse 9 To 13, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this Timothy, please come as soon as you can. So, this is the Apostle Paul talking to his son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also bring my books and especially my papers. This is the Apostle Paul talking to his son in the faith. And Paul is saying, listen, when you come to visit me in prison, can you please, please bring these things to me? And we'll talk about those things in a little while. But you know, isolation does some interesting things to people, doesn't it? I guess we're now about four or five weeks into this uh, restriction period of time with this COVID-19 virus. And I know that people are responding in so many different ways to uh, the isolation. Some are responding very positively and some not so positively to this time. You know, some people I've heard are going a little bit stir crazy. And I've seen some of your things on Facebook, which would indicate that you are going stir crazy. And others are taking the opportunity to do all of those jobs that they haven't got around to in such a long time. There are some who are developing exercise regimes, losing weight and doing really, really well. And there's others who are uh, eating copious amounts and gaining weight. There are some who are posting all sorts of hilarious things on the internet while others are just getting plain sick of the internet. There are some who have become more technologically advanced and savvy than they've ever been before. And there's others of us, and I say us, who still find FaceSnap and Twitter time a challenge. Some are coping really well. Some of you are doing great. And yet there's others who are struggling with all of the changes to the routine. Some are actually connecting more now with others than they ever have beforehand. And yet others have become a little bit more reclusive. It's interesting how people respond to isolation. One thing's for sure in all of this, that our levels of connection with friends, with family have definitely changed, haven't they? I know uh, we have a practice on Sunday night with my family. On Sunday night, Megan Hamish and Grace and Joel They Facebook into our house and uh, Joe sets it up on our big screen TV so that we can all see each other. And you know what? It's, It's great to be able to connect to that level. But no matter how hard we try, it's just not the same as having them in the living room with us. 
And I'm sure all of you can identify in one way or another this morning exactly what that's like. You know, the the visual that we have there, it gets a little bit glitchy from time to time. The conversation gets a little bit stunted because we haven't been out and done much during the week because we're all stuck into our houses. And the distance that you feel is palpable. It's, It's tangible. I know that many of you are feeling the same way today with your loved ones, your family. So I want to talk this morning about how do you handle the isolation And I want to encourage you specifically today that make your isolation an investment. Make your isolation an investment, an investment in your own life, an investment in the life of your household, your family, your friends and others. You know, I actually believe that we can come out of this season with stronger connectedness than ever before, with our priorities of what really matters in life finally retuned. I take great comfort, you know, from the Apostle Paul. And we read this passage today. Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament and half of what he wrote, think about this, half of what he wrote He wrote while in prison. You see, if there was ever anyone who knew what isolation was all about, it was the Apostle Paul. He understood exactly what isolation was about. And in today's reading, Paul, who is coming towards the end of his life, he's once again in prison for his faith, he writes to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. And in those words, you can, you can hear the, the desperate plea. You know that prior to these verses, Paul is well aware that his time of death is soon approaching. He's not fearful of that because he says, I fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've remained faithful to my God. So he's not fearful, but he is very much aware that he's alone. He's feeling his isolation. He goes on to say that Demas and and Crescens and Titus and Tychicus, they've all gone. And what's more, he says, Alexander the coppersmith has done him much harm. So here we have this picture of this older man, this faithful servant of God, this man in prison who's isolated, he's cold, he's alone. And in that moment of isolation, Paul asks for four things. For four things. You know, if you were in a long-term isolation, and let's face it, to a degree we are, I wonder what sorts of things you would ask for. If you could have four things to take with you into a period of isolation, what would they be? And I think that's a really important question for us to ask ourselves so that we can help look at this period of isolation as the possibility of an investment into our lives and into the lives of others. So what were these four things that Paul took with him? Well, the first thing Paul said was this. He said, bring Mark for he will be helpful to me in ministry. Bring Mark, my helper. Now, at first, that may simply look like Paul is asking for company. 
He's asking for friendship, uh, someone who can assist him in all of those things he wants to achieve pertaining to ministry. But you see, when Paul asks for Mark to join him here, there's a whole lot more going on. And in order to understand what's going on, you need to look back into Acts chapter 15. Because in Acts chapter 15, we read that Paul and Barnabas had a major disagreement over this person, Mark. You see, Barnabas wanted Mark to come along on their missionary journey. But Paul had given up on Mark because Mark at a previous time had deserted them. And so Paul had said, no, I don't want Mark coming along on this journey. He's had his chance. He'll probably just let us down like the last time. He's better off staying at home. And at that point in time, we read that Barnabas and Mark separated off and Paul went on his way. But it's interesting, all these years later, Paul now an older man coming to the end of his life. Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he says these words. He says, bring Mark, bring Mark. I just find that just so beautiful. You see, when Paul was inviting Mark, his isolation was becoming a place of reconciliation. It was becoming a place of forgiveness. Here is the older man reaching out to the younger Mark saying, before my time is up, before I'm done, I want to reconcile. I want to restore my relationship with you. What a beautiful picture. And you know, perhaps this time of restriction or this time of isolation for you can be a time where you work on restoring some relationships, where you think about friends and loved ones whom you've lost contact with over a period of time. There's been a parting of the ways. And now just perhaps this is an opportunity for you to connect once again and to seek forgiveness. Hi, David. It's John here. I was just thinking about you, thought I'd give you a call to see how you're going, how you're coping with all this weirdness at the moment. Hey, Chris, haven't talked to you for a while. Just thought I'd touch base. How are you guys going? Are you okay? How's the family? You know, it may be a little awkward at first, but the pathway of reconciliation may need to be opened once again. I'd like to think that during this season of crisis that we realise just how important relationships are. And even now as I'm speaking, even now as I'm talking, perhaps the the Holy Spirit is just ministering and speaking to your heart, putting someone on your heart that you need to reach out to. And can I encourage you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Take that risk. Do it. Take that step of faith. Be the bigger person and believe for a restoration of that particular relationship. Make your isolation and investment. The second thing Paul asks for, he says, be sure to bring my coat, the one I left with Carpus at Troas, my coat. You know, I'm sure Paul could have got a coat from somewhere. We know that Luke was 
in town with him. We know that Luke was there and perhaps Luke could have easily arranged to bring him a coat. But you see, this wasn't just about warmth. It wasn't just about comfort. It wasn't just about keeping the cold of the prison cell and the winter approaching, keeping all that out. You see, the coat here represents to Paul surrounding yourself with something that's familiar. Something that's familiar. This is my coat. I know this coat so well. I know the smell of this coat. It's, it's my coat. This coat has been with me through so many adventures, through so many things. You see, this coat was about the assurance of things that you know. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Job. Amazing man. And in Job 19, we, we, we read an incredible passage. Job has said these kinds of things. He said, my children despise me. My close friends abhor me. Those I love have turned against me. I've been reduced to just skin and bone, he says. But then he says these words. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I'll see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. And I am overwhelmed at that thought. You see, Job, in spite of the crisis, in spite of what he was facing, he was saying, nevertheless, I have this assurance within my heart that my Redeemer lives. He lives. You see, Paul wanted this place of isolation to be a place of assurance. A place where comfort and warmth is found in the knowing embrace of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are certain things you need to know during an isolation. The first is this, and please, please listen. That while you may feel isolated, you're never abandoned by God. Word of God says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Something else you need to know during a time of isolation is this. That God's word says in Psalm 68.6 that God places the solitary in families. That there is this wonderful worldwide family called the body of Christ. And we are your family. We love you and we want you to stay connected together. So important. Isolated but never abandoned. Isolated but not alone. And can I encourage you, keep reaching out to each other in the family of God. Keep in fellowship with each other. Remain steadfast at this time in knowing that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And be assured that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Have that assurance. Let this isolation be a place of assurance. Paul goes on and says, please bring my books. Bring my books. Other versions of the Bible say scrolls. I love what Charles Spurgeon, the great speaker, the great preacher, says of this passage. He says, Paul is inspired and yet he wants books. He has been preaching at least 30 years and yet he wants books. He had seen the Lord and yet he wants books. 
He had had a wider experience than most men, and yet he wants books. He had caught up into the third heaven and had heard things which it was unlawful for a man to utter, and yet he wants books. He had written the major part of the New Testament, and yet he wants books. Being a book lover, I love that quote. Why did Paul ask for books? Why not something else? Well, you see, because these books or these scrolls, they were the input. They were the nourishment for his soul. These books gave him the opportunity to be encouraged while he was in that cell, to be elevated in his thoughts beyond the confinement of the prison walls. I actually believe that these books were more than likely books of the Old Testament. They might have uh, been perhaps the Psalms and he could read through the poetry of the Psalms and sing those Psalms. It might have been the prophetic book of Isaiah and he could look at the, at the prophetic uh, words in, in relation to Jesus and the coming of Christ. You see, the greatest book ever written is the Bible, the Word of God scribed by men under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but authored by God himself. You see, that what makes the Bible different. It is God's very word. It is God breathed, God illuminated by the Holy Spirit himself. And let me encourage you, friends, today that in your isolation, the word of God can bring liberation to your life can bring freedom to your life. During this time, allow the Word to sink deeply into your heart and your life. Meditate on the Word. I spoke on that a couple of weeks ago. Develop a strong pattern of devotion and see the seed of the Word of God be planted in your life and, and spring to germination in your life. Make your isolation an investment. The final thing that Paul asks for, he says this, bring my books and especially my papers. Other versions say my parchments. You see, if the books were Paul's input, then the papers were his output. And in a time of isolation, we need both input and output. You see, these uh, parchments, these papers represented his studies. Perhaps they were the foundations of letters that he wished to write to the churches. And can I encourage you today in your isolation, in this time of restriction, you need input, but you also need output. You see, Paul recognised that what God had started in him he needed to complete what God had called him to do he needed to invest in the lives of others let me encourage you today God has started a good work in each one of you and he has invested things in your life that are not just for you but they're for you to give to others and you need to reach out even in a place of isolation to make a difference in someone else's life just think about Paul here you see, if Paul had 
given up because he was in isolation, we wouldn't have the understanding of the excellence of God's love in Ephesians. We wouldn't have the understanding of the joy that there is in Christ that we see in Philippians. We wouldn't have the sufficiency of Christ that is talked about in Colossians. We wouldn't have the requirements for church leadership that are mentioned in 1 Timothy. We wouldn't have the commitments that are required for church growth in 2 Timothy. We wouldn't have the diligence and the responsibility in the church that's represented in the book of Titus. We wouldn't have the forgiveness and the love that is brought out in Philemon. All of those books written in isolation so friends in this period of isolation ask yourself this what can I do to invest in the life of someone else What can I do to invest in the life of someone else? And if you're struggling with that, if you you just can't think of ways you could possibly do that, get on your knees before God and just say, Hey, Holy Spirit, you're the creator. You're right at the beginning. In the beginning, God created. You're the creator of this world. And I know that you can give me a creative thought. I know that you can give me a creative way of being able to invest and reach out to others, even in this period of isolation. Make your isolation an investment. Make your isolation a place of reconciliation. Make it a place of assurance in God. Make it a place of of liberty, finding liberty in the Word of God. Make it a place of investing into someone else's life. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. that you're in control, that you know all things. And Lord, I know that even at this time, people are struggling with their isolation and the restrictions that are in place. I know, Lord, that we can make this with your help an investment. We can invest in others. We can invest in our own lives. We can invest in so much. We can, we can redefine what's important in our lives, Lord. We can retune ourselves to your plan and your purpose. So, Lord, I just ask for everyone, Capital Edge Church. I pray that we won't see this in the negative, this time in the negative, but Lord, we will see this as a great divine opportunity of being able to reconnect with you in a deeper way. Lord, that we will use this time wisely, as your word says, and that through this isolation, there will be an incredible investment. We ask in your precious name. Amen. You know, just one more thing, friends. If you're watching today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can just say a simple little prayer and just invite him to become known to you today. Just say, Jesus, I'm starting to realize, I'm starting to recognize that you're what's missing in my life. I want to invite you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I want to invite you to come in, forgive my sin, and I want to turn my ways and follow you. Lord, please, 
please won't you just reveal yourself to me so that, Lord, in this time of isolation, I can discover you in my life. Why don't you say a little prayer like that? Because I know God's faithful and I know he will reach you at your point of need. God bless, church. We love you. See you next Sunday.